The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wesley Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. Uh, good morning, beautiful people. How are you doing today? Uh, first of all, let me say that I really appreciate this worship team. So let's give them a hand. This is of, of appreciation to them. They do all, they do awesome the entire year, and we know that. Let's also keep uh, in prayer for Pastor Tracy and Denise that they have a fruitful and safe trip back home. That's that's very important. So you know, uh, just just so you know, my mom is back home with us in our place. Uh, probably soon she'll, she'll be coming here right now. I just need to get a little stronger. So just keep praying for her and so forth. Uh, so far, Pastor Tracy has been covering the book of John, as you all know, as you're aware of. Uh, so last week, basically, we just went through a survey, kind of a, an a overview of chapter 7, John chapter 7. Uh, Pastor Tracy also spoke about conflict and resentment from religious leaders that originated from Jesus challenging them about the truth of his deity and works as the Son of God. And I'm just going to give you a little bit synopsis of what he spoke about last week. Then we're going to go on with the verse by verse for two days or three days here. You don't mind, right? Two or three days here? I guess not. He's laughing over there. Maybe he's ready to do it. I don't know. Okay, so he, he also referenced Jesus preaching during the middle of the feast celebration, uh, which people found amazing, but blindness overcame spiritual leaders. And it's interesting that today is the first day Jewish people celebrate the first day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because I Googled it. And it said there, today is the day that they celebrate this day. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. It says October 9th. So, and it goes on for a week. So it's just good to know. He, he also mentioned about the, that the confrontation with skeptics on proclaiming his deity was such that it was as if he was, uh, if, if, if he was really trying to tell them something, but they didn't really pay attention. It's like this, he said, when we fall from grace, we don't pay for it, we repent. I kind of like that. When we fall from grace, we don't try to pay for it, we repent. I'm just mentioning to you some of the things he said last week. That is it. Uh, and then we, we, again, we go on. Uh, he spoke about satanic deception leading to lots of fake path, which is true, and we see it in, into this world. Some of you made that aware last week as you spoke. But if anyone chooses to do the will of God, he said, they will find out he is the truth, the will of God, he said. That's very important. Pastor Tracy also mentioned that, like before, Jesus healing in the Sabbath was very troublesome. But at the same time, Jesus points to the religious leaders of that time just wanted to shut Jesus up. That's all they wanted to do because that was their own agenda. It was strictly to shut Jesus up. That was, they were jealous. It is called the agenda in this, in this postmodernistic time. By the way, this is called the agenda of the me, the I. We live in postmodernistic times. That means that the I, us, have replaced God. And that is true. 
in many instances. Back in that time, those Jewish leaders, which were the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, they wanted to replace Jesus. They had their own agenda. It's important to understand that, that every time we do something against God, we're, re- we're trying to replace God. That's very important to understand. So they had an agenda. It's important that we don't have an agenda like that since when we do, we actually replace the Lord. Pastor closes his overview by pointing to the Feast of the Tabernacles as a reminder of God's provision for his people and who he was and still is. Ultimately, the truth was spoken last Sunday when it was said, we all have a need for Jesus Christ, and we know that. You see, once humanity embraces that we all have a need for Jesus Christ, we can become channels of flowing waters to the world. It is when I accept that I have a need for Jesus that I understand that other people have a need for Jesus. Because it's hard to think of others when we don't think first we need Jesus. And now Jesus is working in our lives. How about the people around us, whoever they are? That, that's very important. So we, we begin now with a verse-by-verse uh, study of uh, John chapter 7. Uh, the, the first part, of course, Christ goes to the Feast of the Tabernacles. And I'm going to read the verses real quick, and I'm going to just give you a little synopsis, you know, overview of what that really means, is so, so you understand. And it, so we begin with chapters, in chapter 7 with verse 1, and this is what it says, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of Tabernacle was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your brothers, so, so your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. This happened actually after many of the disciples have abandoned him in chapter 6. Here we have these brothers telling him, to do these things. Of course, these were disciples to begin with in chapter 6 that did not really, that feel convicted by the word of God. Why would you abandon something so precious, so true about the word of God? He was telling the truth, and there's a whole minute here. They said, this is affecting my lifestyle. So they abandoned him. They just weren't quite sure that they could take the heat, if we may say that, because every time they look up, at the face of God, they feel conviction. So we, we have to think about those disciples, why they, they abandoned them. And at that point, I'm sure some of them came to the, to the Lord later. But at that point, that's, that's how they're feeling. In other words, they did not want to hear it anymore. After this, in here, at the beginning of the verse, it says, after this means during the Passover in the month of, in, of April. Uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles is in October. Again, we're celebrating right now today. The Jewish people are celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles today. That's what they're going to do for a week. And uh, interestingly, how blind they were, were Jesus' brothers to miss his divine uniqueness. I mean, if I'm living with my brother and I can see something special about him, yeah, I may still be jealous. I think brothers can get, can, can get jealous, but he was unique. But they missed the whole point. You see, verse 3 is one of those passages that encourages me since I also, 
and you may be in the same position, have plenty of family who ignore the wisdom of the Word of God that I share with them. Have you ever been there? Family are saying, no, 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 I, you're a Christian. You know what? I don't really want to listen to you. You know, there's something special about you, I know, but I don't really want to listen to you. Perhaps that's how his brothers felt, obviously, since they were, they were almost mocking him. Hey, go to the town. Go ahead and go there and start preaching. See, they, they simply did not want to listen, but they considered themselves religious. How many people we know like that? How many people in Christendom we know that they consider themselves religious, but only in name, in name only? In name only. There's no action. No action whatsoever. Yet they were rejecting the kings of kings at that moment. You see, tradition was more important to Jesus' brothers than the eternal king. Tradition. Tradition was, and tradition can be dangerous, can be dangerous unless it glorifies God. Unless it glorifies God. Imagine how James felt when he saw the resurrected Jesus. He became one of the greatest believers of Jesus. He just saw him. As, as a matter of fact, James is one of the uh, main use to talk about the minimal uh, people of the resurrection, minimal facts of the resurrection is James. James proved that Jesus is real. The resurrection will always point to Jesus being, being real. Always. This is all these things that happen. Jesus was born. Then Jesus speaks. He, he, and then he dies at the end and he's resurrected. All means something. But the resurrection is a shake mate. It just says it all. He is real. I continue on to verse 6. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here for you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that, it works, that its works are evil. See, Jesus' time is, is a divine time that pleases his Father. At this point, he's pleasing his Father. We also must look at a, at a time in the same way as Jesus did. And sometimes we don't. I'm one that don't look at time like that sometimes when I know that I have to go through streets that there's a lot of lights. I go around the whole town on the interstate because I want to avoid the lights. I admit it. You know? So I'm not really going by the time. I'm going by my own agenda. I want to get there quick and the lights. But sometimes we have to be careful with that also because we're always in Jesus' time, always in God's time, always in God's time. And what this is saying is it was time yet for Jesus to be, it wasn't time yet for Jesus to be the sacrificial lamb. Keith and I were talking about earlier today. It wasn't time yet for him to do that. The reality is that humanity struggles with the time of things. We really do struggle. If you really stop to think, we don't like sometimes the things that happen at certain times. That's just who we are sometimes. And then Jesus reminds us, no, you're in my time. And that to me is very important because remember, our time is not God's time. And it will never be God's time. So we need to keep that in our minds. Um, so Jesus' brothers were not, were not hated because they were part of the world. That's what he's talking about. You see, they were just like the world. So they hated his brother, Jesus Christ, but they didn't hate his, his, Jesus' brother because he was just like the rest of them, part of the world. They, they, they were not countercultural like Jesus was. Countercultural. 
a very key word. It sounds like a bad word, right? Counter sounds like a bad word. But it, we are going against the flow of the world. We want to go with the flow of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So all these things, we can, we can, when we read these verses right here, we can take that from, from you know, we, we can say this is what this is saying also. Does that sound familiar in today's culture? Does that sound familiar? You know, being countercultural, is that, is that something that, that you ever heard of in, in, in Christianity? Because we are supposed to be countercultural. We do not go with the flow of the world. We just never do. How many of us are willing to be countercultural in proclaiming the kingdom of God? How many of us are willing to be countercultural? It's not easy to be countercultural because you know you're going to be persecuted. And you know that people are going to try to make fun of you. And you know that people are just going to run away from you. And when your family starts running away from you, then you're scared. Oh, now my family is not going to love me because I'm countercultural. And I say, so? Let me, let me say something. I, I, was, I wasn't going to say this. My youngest son is gay. He thinks he was born that way. My ex thinks he was born that way. They don't speak to me. Because I don't agree with them. They'll never, they will never speak to me ever again. Because I will never tell them a lie. And God is clear. Clear. That from the beginning of, of the world, man has always known that there's a God. Nobody is born that way. But you see, I stay. I don't go with the flow so I can talk to my younger son. On the contrary, I pray for him every day. I let him know, hey. I love you all the time. And they don't want to speak to me, that's fine. I just wanted to throw that in so you understand that being countercultural is important. We, the King, Jesus Christ, is more important. Is what we have. It's the only thing we have in our lives. It's Him. He gives us family. He gives us friends. That's great. But it is through Him. Everything is through Him. So we need to understand that. And it pains me to say those things to you. But I am staying the way I am because of Him. I'm not going to change my mind because it's a family member or it's a friend. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to love them. We still love on them forever and ever. So I just wanted to throw that in. So it is important to understand those things. Are we countercultural? Are we not? In other words, are we going to defend the word of God in this world? Are we going to defend it? Theologian E.A. Bloom Right, the world has its religions, its programs, its plans, its values, but Christ's weakness that is all evil is called ponera in Greek, wicked, partly because of this, he lives carefully in order to fulfill the Father's will. He lived carefully, carefully. If I was going to give in to what the world says so, I, so they can be my friends, I am not living carefully in the name of Jesus Christ. I am not. I am not doing that. Verse 8 says, you go to the festival, I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. Basically, Jesus was using caution caution, but most importantly, God's timing requires spiritual discernment. We're talking about that. I think uh, Doug was talking about this morning about discernment. It, you know, this timing thing requires spiritual discernment. 
We go on to verse 10. However, after his brothers had left the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? And when the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders, for fear of the leaders. That's what I call divine secrecy. I mean, it wasn't really a secret. You would say, oh, well, me and, and Keith were, were talking about it earlier. There's no secrets. It just wasn't his time to go at that point. He's going to go later, but he proves it's not a secret by going. That's exactly what he does. So countercultural was Jesus that they were anticipating his next move. That's a radical, Jesus Christ was at that time. Imagine if people were anticipating any of us today. Think about that. You're going to visit a home. They know that you're a Christian, and they're anticipating it. This town anticipates Gasparilla, which is completely antithetical, completely antithetical to God. I'm not saying everybody that goes there is, is going to do that, but it's completely antithetical. It's going to be engaging the wrong thing, but it's completely antithetical. They celebrate, they look 500,000 people naked. Halfway naked, I should say naked. I'm sorry. Halfway naked. You know, so we have to understand that. Imagine if we were to anticipate, 500,000 people anticipated just parading for Jesus Christ. Now that there are places that do that, there are places on earth that people do that. They celebrate Jesus. Of course they do. But this is a state in which we live in. It, this is just the way it is right now. Their amazement points to the authority of Jesus' proclamation, which was way superior than those religious leaders. His proclamation was way superior than theirs. This authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and in earth. But to do what? To do what? To be the fulfillment of God's promises and that, of course, includes the Great Commission. And we don't think that Jesus Christ is doing the Great Commission during that time. That's exactly what he's doing. And by the way, God has been doing the Great Commission since the beginning of Genesis 1. He's always been on a mission. He has never stopped being on a mission. And that's what he's telling these people here. He's the example. He's the example. And we're supposed to follow this piously. We're supposed to be devout about it. Devout. And be, being countercultural means a lot. If we can just keep that word for the week, and the next week and after and after, remember, so I have to be countercultural. I have to be. Because if not, I'm not pleasing the Lord. And Jesus at this point is not pleasing his father if he decides to go with that crowd, which were mostly the religious leaders, of course. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you are walking with a bounce today? Perhaps a spark, like Angie mentioned a few weeks ago, in your walk with Jesus. Do you feel like that? you feel that bounce? you feel a spark? 
Because it does missing. Hey, if, you, if, if I lose my spark, and there have been times that I have lost my spark, of course, and you know, I, I know it because the Holy Spirit will tell me, hey, 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 what are you doing? I say, okay, Lord, okay. And I get back in the trail. So perhaps if you're there today, that you have lost that spark, or get back in the trail, because this is what Jesus is telling us in the gospel. We have to not just go on this trail, but stay in the trail. Maintain it. I continue. I go on. So, so in, in, in the book of John, the word faith and salvation is written all over the book. Faith and salvation. Oh, by the way, it's always been like that, right? The Bible is a, is a, is a constant. It's about faith and salvation, faith and salvation, faith and salvation, faith and salvation, faith and salvation. So, I mean, what are we here for? Cannot be just, wait, no. Let's go do this, do that, and put God last. I continue to verse 16. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does not gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. In these verses, perhaps, the religious leaders thought that his teaching was from a traditional school or he was self-taught. They maybe thought that, but in reality, see, Jesus' claim was, I am God taught. I am God. Nobody teaches me anything. I am the word. I am Logos. Right? That's what he's really saying. Theologian Bloom writes, in order to evaluate Jesus' claim, we must desire to do God's will. We desire to do God's will. Since Jesus is God's will for men, people must believe in him. Faith is a prerequisite for understanding. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what he wrote. So, but it's interesting how he speaks here about whoever speaks on their own. Were these religious leaders trying to do God's will or build their own presumptuous agenda? Which one was it? How about Christians today? How about us today? One thing I don't try to do is speak on my own. I try not to. I learned that a long time ago. My opinion is worth two cents at the most. God's word is worth everything. So we need to understand that. We have to be careful when we speak the word of God. We better have proof. We better know at least where, where to go. But you just, a lot of things you can say that God is good. All of things are fine. But people will try to use, be careful with it. We have to be careful. You see, it is much easier to recognize the teachings of God when we acquire scriptural knowledge, reading the Bible. And, of course, we know by fact, people say this when they're interviewed, that a lot of people do not read the Bible. I have been to the most spiritual, in a way, classes where people are loving each other, but they have a problem with reading the Bible. I don't even know how they get there, but somehow they, they believe and they do it. We're of caution. We could behave like the Pharisees. We're of caution. 
by the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, if we try to speak on our own and claim authority over scriptures. Interestingly, this is what theologian W.W. Wiersbe says. When I teach the word of God, I can claim authority for the Bible, but not for all my interpretations of the Bible. We have to be careful with interpretations for the Bible. This is where people err a lot. We cannot use a verse and take it out of the context of what God is trying to say to just fit our own agenda. We cannot do that. So we have to be really careful when it comes to that. Let me continue here. He says, Jesus rightly could claim absolute authority for everything that he taught. He said, Jesus could. And you could too, and I could too, if it is the word of God. But does not, but does not every religious teacher make a similar claim? Well, that's true. Every, we have thousands of churches, and they all claim they're the way. But why would you have so many thousands of churches if they're all the same? Then why do you have so many? They all claim to be their own way, you mean? Because this is what was, 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 was happening here. He continues, how then can we know that Jesus is teaching the truth? Pay attention to this. This is, this is what, what, what he writes. By obeying what he tells us to do. <laughs> God's word proves itself true to those who will sincerely do it. Wow. That is so true. The British preacher F.W. Robertson said that obedience is the organ of spiritual knowledge. John 7, 17, which my brother and I were talking about, literally reads, if any man is willing to do his, God's will, he shall, shall know. This explains why the Jewish leaders did not understand Jesus' teachings. They had a stubborn wills and would not submit to him. So it was more than just jealousy, wasn't it? They had a stubborn will. I mean, is there a time there where we can be stubborn too? We're talking to somebody about Christ. But we think we know this much. And no, listen to me. This is what he really says, but we're not really paying attention to what they're saying. Eh, it could be true. It could not be. I don't know. We have to just open that door for people to tell us so we can help them if they're in the wrong. I continue to verse 19. And, and he says, Has not Moses given you the law? Yet no one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? Here Jesus calls them hypocrites. Did they really know the laws in Jesus himself told them that Moses wrote about him in John 5, 46. Doug mentioned that in our meeting Tuesday. He, he, they, they knew already. Jesus told them. By the way, this is what Genesis 3, 15 says. And this is explicit. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There it is. Verse 20. You are demon-possessed. The crowd answered, Who is trying to kill you? In other words, they were calling him darkness. They were calling him darkness. Although they denied that they were trying to kill him, verse 518 clearly says otherwise. In the book of John. 
verse 21, Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you're all amazed. Jesus is referring here to the paralytic in Bethesda. That's in John 5, 1 through 18. We, we went through over that already. Verse 22, yet because, yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? And this Sabbath situation has been an issue with, with between the Jewish people and Christians for a long time, of course. So, if they circumcise for one body part under the Mosaic law, okay, they're under the Mosaic law, what's wrong with healing a paralytic on the Sabbath? See, I just wonder about their apologetics. Now, they're brothers in a way, not in Christ, but you know, they're people that we know what they believe in. So we have to be really careful. Apologetically speaking, they were just clearly dead. There's nothing there. Nothing. They cannot prove what they're saying about the Sabbath. They just can't do that. And they used to get beaten for that when Jesus spoke. Of course, everybody's silent because they don't know what else to say. Well, who's going to just answer Jesus? Who's going to tell God, no, God, you're wrong? I mean, I guess some people tell me that, that they talk to God about things, but you know. Who? I'm not. The Word of God is the Word of God, and it's on its own. It doesn't need any help. We go on to verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Basically, they, they judge Jesus by his appearance, but miss Jesus' intentionality and call to repentance because if he's preaching at that point, he's telling them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he's really saying. The standard of judgment by these religious leaders was superficial and unrighteous. Doesn't that sound familiar in today's environment? Doesn't that sound familiar? When you, when, you, when you look around, people judge others by what they seem to be and not for who they are. That's what people do. I'm not saying you do it. In general, that's what people do. This is common even in Christendom today and very dangerous to the expansion of the kingdom of God since it, it causes discord and divisions between people in the church. And that's not ever, ever good. Ever good. We go on in John, and uh, this part is the division over who Jesus is. Verses 25 to 40. At that time, at that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man that they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. To him. Have the authorities really conclude that he is the Messiah? Although the, the, the town people knew that the religious leaders were persecuting Jesus to kill him, 
they were perplexed with the lack of action. They were perplexed. In, in, in other words, they thought that religious leaders lacked leadership. That's what they thought. But verse 30 says that it wasn't his time. That it wasn't his time. You know, it's interesting how uh, when I was at that other big church, how uh, a pastor, I really wanted to go to seminary and somebody, a pastor actually misled me and never helped me. And a year went by and I was furious. I said, I could have been doing, I could have been already in seminary. Wow, I lost a year. But you see, what, what happens is after the year, Somebody at the church gave a million dollars for people to go to school. And I qualified. Because I'm, I'm one of those guys that left everything for the kingdom. People don't know my life. You don't even know my testimony in full. But I left all my businesses, everything. Everything for Jesus Christ. So I realized, wait well, a minute here. God made me wait a year. He still used me. Because he said somebody else is going to pay for my education. How about that? How about waiting in God's time? What's so wrong with that? I understood then. See, I, I thought it's causing me to wait longer. But then again, God's will was done. And it was way better. Because nothing has changed. What could happen? I don't know. I mean, if I'm still standing here, it's because he, that's what he meant to do. That's what he, made me, that's what he meant for me to be. I continue on 27, but we know there where there where this man is from when the messiah comes no one will know where he's from see they didn't recognize that jesus was more than a galilean carpenter from nazareth eventually jesus became well known after dying at the cross and the resurrection that's when everybody went whoa i'm seeing this guy the 500 witnesses saw it all the disciples saw it but he was true from the beginning if people really want to know the deity of Jesus Christ, look no further than the resurrection. Study it. 28, then Jesus still teaching the temple course cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from, Nazareth. I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. How can they know who Jesus is when they don't even know the Father? Let me, let me say this in between. The main reason why people don't want to believe in Jesus Christ is because when they do, they're acknowledging that there's a God. And they don't want to. For those that are skeptics. That's the main. Jesus is the key. If they claim here to know the Father, it is again in name only. We find this to be true today even with people that call themselves Christians. Many people who claim to have knowledge of Jesus don't know him. And it pains me to give you these numbers. I don't know. People come up with numbers. I have no idea how they come up with these numbers. Maybe I said this here before. But all the scholars of the world, all the Christian scholars of the world say that 98% of the people do not know nothing about God. Now, if you take 2% of 7 billion people, then we have some numbers, right? 
Because we can still take the two percent of seven billion people, and they would have a lot of numbers there. But it's still small compared. So why, why is that? Why is it that they don't know about God? Because Jesus right there is telling these people there, the religious people, I am Jesus Christ. I'm the son of God. And they don't want to pay attention. And they, that's why they continue to live the kind of lives they live. Nothing is different now. He's talking to us through the Bible and telling us exactly how he wants us to be. And we have to really live with a connection to him every single day. We have to be connected to the word of God every single day to understand who Jesus is and to explain to others who Jesus is, even if they don't like you. Hmm. <sighs> getting excited now. I'm getting going now. If they claim to the Father, of course. I just can't believe this. Many people who claim to have knowledge of Jesus just don't know him. Now, in Santo Domingo, you go there and you go to, an, on a, I've been there on like, like on a mission trip, and you walk in the street and you tell somebody, Dios te bendiga, and they say, Amen. Amen. But you know that some of these people that say amen to you are santeras, they're into witchcraft. Do you think they know Jesus? But they'll say amen to you. That tells us that we have to continue to keep talking about Jesus. You know, span on the, we're supposed to preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel. Because you don't know, you, they, something may click on their minds. Hey, what am I doing? It's wrong. 30th, verse 30. At this, they tried to seize him. But no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still many of the crowd believed in him. They say, when the Messiah comes, he will perform more signs than this man. Here, Jesus' rebuke of the Israelites added to stir them, to, the, to capture him, to kill him. He stirred their hearts. Hmm, I don't like you. I don't like what you say. But God's hand was over Jesus. Like when you go there and proclaim the gospel, you do it because God's hand is over you. And nobody's hand. Yes, we have missionaries that die and people that die for the word of God. That was God's will. To show, maybe to show us an example that this is not an easy walk. It will never be an easy walk. Still, many in the crowd believe in him, says 31. Many believe in him. They say when the Messiah comes, he will perform more signs than this man. Hmm. I like that verse. I have to say it again. Many will believe. Many that you speak to, that maybe are, are in the middle, they will believe. It's important to understand that. Jesus' miracles and teaching made him unique in the crowds. The crowds liked him. But the crowds' faith towards Jesus was not linked to the faith in him as the Messiah. They liked what he was doing. And some eventually believed, and some believed at that time, maybe. Bible tells us some believe. But not all the crowds believe that way either. Until later on, perhaps. This is powerful. Sometimes Christians are afraid to share the good news because they are afraid to hurt someone's feelings. I said that earlier. And we have to get off that track. Being countercultural is what we need to be. Jesus was and still is countercultural. Continue to verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. 
Last week, Keith mentioned the word jealousy to describe these religious leaders. You see, their resentment towards Jesus stems from their jealousy that people were trusting Jesus. They were trusting Jesus. That's why they were jealous. They had resentment inside their hearts. 33, Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. Even though here they were trying to arrest Jesus, his boldness, and of course, Keith was telling this morning, yeah, this is about, you know, it's not my time yet to go to heaven to be, to go to the cross. But here we see Jesus' boldness continues to be the same regardless. He continues to preach the truth. He was and still is unstoppable. You know, sadly, and speaking in general, Christendom is missing this countercultural attitude. They're missing it. 34 says, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. You know, this reminds me that time to, that they tend to come forward and be saved is now. Every time you're in front of somebody, someone sharing the gospel, ask them. Ask them, do you know this Jesus? Would you like to receive him in your heart today? And of course, that's something that only God knows when they really do or not. But our job is just to plant the seed. It's because tomorrow may be too late for some people. And that's what's in my heart every day when I wake up. Jesus put people in front of me, so tomorrow is not too late for them. Imagine someone arriving in Hades. <coughs> Hell, no. What, what, what would they do at that point when they get there? This is the principal reason the gospel boldness, gospel boldness, and that means not leaving anything behind. We have to be for gospel boldness. Bold. Get that spark going. Spark yourself with the word of God. Read it. 35, that you said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What, what did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Obviously, it is heaven, but impossible to grasp by people living with earthly thoughts and not willing to do God's will. The word Greeks here, so you know, means not just people from Greece, but non-Jews or heaven. That's what that means. But Colossians 3.11 tells us that preaching to the Jews was prophetic. How about this Greek word? After the ascension of Jesus Christ. During that time, the Jewish, Jews that live in Palestine, others were living, others migrated throughout Roman territory and as far as the east of Babylon. So that is true. 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This is a call to be saved. Simple as that. And this is what it's all about. We're here because Jesus wants us to be saved. He wants the people around you to be saved. Because he knows what our other destiny is. And we don't want to go there. And I imagine no one here is. 
I imagine that. 38, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. In, in other words, Jesus is eternal source of satisfaction. You want satisfaction in your life? Read the Bible. You want satisfaction in your life? Walk with Jesus all the time. You want satisfaction in your life? Every time you're hurting, know, know that he's with you. Pray if you want satisfaction in your life. Because that's what I do. I'm no different than you are. I'm just like you are. I go through the same pains as you are, but different kind of pain. But I, my life is not easy either. But he satisfies me. He's the only one that can satisfy me. That's it. I don't have no other satisfaction source of where he puts people around me, like you, that will encourage me and pray for me. But that is still because of him. And that satisfies me. And that satisfies my mother. It satisfies my father and my sister laying in the bed. And it satisfies all of you. And it satisfies the people that you love and the people that are sick in your families. It satisfies them. Not only that, but believers become like channels of living waters, blessing a world that needs a Savior. We bless others. But we're satisfied and we're feeling Him. And we're feeling that, that spark and, and that walk, that bounce. We begin to bring that satisfaction, which is Jesus Christ, to others. 39, by this he meant he, the Spirit whom those who believe in Him here later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been yet glorified. Here the rebuke of living waters points to the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. That means born again, right? We receive the Holy Spirit when we're born again. Now, please remember that the Spirit was at work during the Old Testament too. Sometimes people think the Spirit is just for the New Testament. No, the Spirit was at work from the very beginning, from Genesis 1. He's just working already. But without the Holy Spirit today, which is God, we are nothing. If we go to Jan 15, which we'll cover later on, and Jesus says that He's divine and we're the branches, and that without Him, we're nothing. Think, think about that. We're nothing. I am nothing. Without Jesus Christ. When I look at myself and I look in that carpet, I cannot even find myself. That's how big Jesus is. I cannot see myself in that carpet. That's how big he is in my life. And that's how we have to think. And for that, we have to humble ourselves and understand what he wants for us. Which is always the best for us. <clears throat> but without the Holy Spirit today, it's impossible. There will be no regeneration no guidance, and nor any empowerment which He gives us. Verse 40, on the hearing His words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others say, He is the Messiah. Still others ask, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does, this, does not the Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem? The town where David lived? Thus the people were divided. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. 
See, here the debate continues about the deity of Jesus. It's just a debate going on between people. They're seeing the good, and they're seeing what's around them. I'm in Cuba. I'm talking to a lady. I don't know what time of the... She she was in the church. There was another missionary. There was about four of us. And I just started listening to to her. And this lady came to the Lord eventually. Genuinely. She's now a a leader in, in Cuba, in one of the churches. But you know what she said before I asked her, would you like to receive Jesus in your heart today? The first thing she said, she goes, my daughter, my daughter. And I said, what about your daughter? She, there's something good in her. Something good in her. People see the goodness of those that belong to Christ. They see it. They see it. Just amazing to me what, what, how things happen. So the debate was continuing, and, and, and that alludes to Jesus being born into the Davidic family. Interesting how many people in the crowd liked Jesus, but they weren't willing to surrender their lives and commit to him. Does that sound familiar to you? Although there was no valid reason not to. What reason they had not to? And again, people became believers too there. But they, definitely the, the Jewish leaders, they didn't think so. Well, if there's a reason for that, like I mentioned before, is the I. It is always about the I versus God. Idolatry versus God. Because when we think about the I, we're telling God, I am higher than you. Just like Eve told the snake or God at the garden, I'm higher than you. I believe you, serpent, Satan. Go to the next section, unbelief of the Jewish leaders. Verses 45 to 52, and this will be the end. It says, finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priest and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards replied. The power, here the power of Jesus' words paralyzed the guards. They were paralyzed. It still paralyzes people today, doesn't it? It paralyzed me, definitely. And I did not even know who he was. But something paralyzed me for me to be born again. And it was that living in this darkness and knowing I needed to get out of there. And the only hope I saw that I did not know at that point was God. That's important. Did the guard think that he was more than a man? Is it possible the guard thought that? This is something special about Jesus. He was unique. He's still unique, of course. 47. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. What this means to me anyway is jealousy, jealousy, and more jealousy instigated by what? Pride. They were prideful. Jan 12.42 says, Yet, at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. Think about that one. 
But because of the Pharisees, they should not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that it will be put on the, out of the synagogue. They have fear. Do you think that, that happens today? I mean, if, if I can tell you, I'm, look, I'm okay. If they want to cut my head off, go ahead. If they want to bury me alive, go ahead. I'm going to die for Jesus. I don't have any fear of telling people the truth. I tell them, I say it like it is. I say it in love. Yes, I'm passionate about it. Very passionate about it. Because I love people. Because when we really truly love people, and that's what Jesus was doing, he said, I love you. Because my father said that I see sending me because he loved the world. For so he loved the world. So we are the same. If we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we need to get going. Be bold. I don't know who's doing here, who's not doing I don't know that. I'm just speaking in general here. But I need to speak these things to myself because I'm a human being and I can sometimes, eh, detour here, detour there. We, in, in, when we become real with ourselves, we, ha- we have to say we're something else. We are something else. Humans are something else. And you know what I mean by that. And now that people are not living, doing the best they can, I'm not saying that, but we're something, we can turn against God and rebel at a given second. Book of Romans is clear about that. We can. So we have to be careful with that. Jealousy. 50. Nicodemus had gone, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who has one of their own number asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he was doing, has been doing? Something happened to Nicodemus after his conversation with Jesus Christ, didn't it? Something happened. Something happened to my dad years ago when, I cannot tell you what he said, that he heard God's voice. And he asked, why this way? He said, isn't that what you asked me? And he actually said he heard, he heard his voice. I don't, I don't have many people telling me that. Him and somebody else that I know. I heard his voice. Isn't that what you asked me for? Isn't that amazing? And how, 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 how do I know something happened to him? Because I've seen it. I've seen his life change dramatically. His love for my mom, I've never seen love like that that I've seen. Of course, you know, I can see all of you <laughs> loving, but I can see my dad loving my mom in a way that is amazing. That is in the inner part of his soul. And that comes from God. That comes from God. So something happened to Nicodemus during that conversation. You see, he was a fair-minded man. He really was. When was the last time we had a conversation with anyone about Jesus? When was the last time we shared Jesus? I'm on a van with other pastors. They picked us up in Colorado to go to a convention. And, they got, and the driver starts talking to us. Yeah, you can go tonight to the clubs. <laughs> of course, nobody answered to that. But, you know, I was kind of ashamed of myself. Why didn't I just tell them about Jesus? You see, we can miss, we can divert here and there. I should have just opened a window, a little bit of a window, 
when he said that stuff. And we can't miss a beat. God places in, places in a position where, like me going home, and I live here, and little Caesars is here. Well, God says, go all the way to get pizza, although there's all these 20 other places. Go to little Caesars, and then go home. I didn't know it was God telling me, but I guess I knew after it. I go in there, there's nobody at, at the little Caesars. That's crazy. There's always people in the little Caesars. Sheep. And I'm speaking to these people, I, as I live, I'm saying, God bless you. And that stopped both of them in their tracks. And they started talking to me. And one has left, had not been going to a church for a long time. The other one has just basically around the same line, they started crying. And See, Jesus made me go all the way there. Instead of, that was his will. He didn't stop me from doing that. Something happened to those people that night that I didn't know was going to happen, but I knew that I was, my heart said, go there. Very important. 52, they replied, are you from the Galilee too? Look into it. And you will find that the prophet does not come out of Galilee. You see here, insults and persecution follow those who counter-culturally defend the word of God. People do not like to be persecuted. And I'm telling you right now that I don't like it either, but I was born again to be persecuted. And if somebody's persecuted me, then there's something good that I'm doing for the kingdom of God. Because if I'm not being persecuted, then what am I doing? That's how I see it anyway. It's not fun being persecuted, especially by family. Because it's not fun. But that, that's just the way it is. If Christians are not persecuted in some way, of course, they need to reevaluate where they are with God. They need to reevaluate that. Well, did I finish? My, my. Well, maybe a little longer when they look at the... Uh, well, hey... If you had a hard week this week, a tough week, uh, and you're here, bless you. People ask me, how are you doing? Well, I say, my, my energy level from 1 to 100 is minus 50. But I'm still here. I really, really, really was tired. But I knew that all the time that Jesus is with me. And he gave me the strength to do whatever I need to do. Continue with your you, you, you have to understand something here. It is Jesus that counts the most. If we can just place Jesus first, if we want to be like Jesus, then we need to start doing the things he did. He even tells us in the Bible that we'll do greater things. That's because we'll be on earth more. We have more opportunities to do more things than he did. You, you guys understand that? We have, if, we, if we want to say we want to grow in Christ, then start doing. Be bold. Let people know about Jesus Christ, because this is, what, this is what this chapter and the entire Bible is all about, really. It's about Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you have a great day today. Thank you so much. Know that I love you, and that Jesus loves you even more. Thank you.